When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Dog. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. I hear you biting off a brain down. I myself am on the brain. I used to want to be a real man. I don't know what that even means. Now I just want you in my arms again. And we can search each other's dreams. What's up, 3Bs? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? It's Rhea Butcher, and it's Three Swings, a podcast about baseball and other things. And there's not a lot of baseball and a lot of other things going on. Um, I hope you're staying safe. I don't know where you're listening from, but wherever it is, I hope it's home. Um, a lot going on, you know. Um, we got a great show today. A couple of my friends are on the podcast. Uh, Greg Nix and Waylon McQueen, two members of my baseball league. And also uh, two guys I've got a big announcement with. Whom? I don't know. How does... Uh, grammar work. I don't really care anymore. Um, <laughs> we, they're going to be on the podcast later. We're going to have a great conversation with them. Um, and a little more on those classic game watch throughs that are going to be happening on April 19th. So mark your calendars, um, and go to that three swings, Patreon. It's patreon.com slash three swings. Um, you can sign up there, get more information. Um, yeah. Uh, what's going on for me this week? I'm still at home. This is week five, I think, of staying at home. Um, I haven't, I I was talking to somebody on video chat. They're stuck in New Zealand, which is actually the best place they could be stuck in uh, because one of them is a dual citizen in Australia and the United States. The other one is a United States citizen and the United States citizen um, doesn't have healthcare in Australia and the dual citizen doesn't have healthcare period. And, uh, but they're stuck in New Zealand where they have full healthcare. Um, so (laughs) I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's mind boggling to me that anybody could still be in the middle of this situation and think that, you know, healthcare is not a thing that we all just need. Um, you know, I, I don't understand how insurance is even part of the question anymore, other than it's, uh, a big moneymaker for a lot of people. So, um, just like, I don't understand how we're not looking at this and going like, oh yeah, this, uh, we have to have healthcare and it shouldn't be tied to your job. Um, cause like 10 million people are out of work. <laughs> um, it, crazy. It's crazy to me. Um, and it's crazy that like so easily and so quickly it just becomes like, 
it is at the same time the new normal. Like, this is our life now. But it also doesn't mean that, like, oh, well, 10 million people unemployed is just part of our life now. Like, that, I, I can't even, I, I, when I still lived in Ohio, like, talking about unemployment numbers was just something my dad did every time I saw him. And he's not, like, you know, he's just, like, a regular dude. Just a regular, like, bluest of blue collars, GED uh, you know, manual labor his whole life. Like, but this was a thing. And like, now it's just like, well, uh, of course. Um, so I don't understand. Um, but yeah, here we go. Still, still no baseball. Uh, major league baseball has some ideas on how to do it. Uh, we'll get into that later, right before the interview. Um, I made some candles. That was fun. I had all the ingredients pretty sure. Also, you can just make some candles out of all the old candles that you have in your house that are burnt all the way down. So if you don't want to be buying things and having them shipped to your house, um, uh, cause I've been trying to, to not do that either. Um, you can just do that and it's a lot of fun. All the instructions are on the internet. So you can do that. Um, what else have I been doing? I've been doing the artist way. Uh, if anybody's interested in trying that out, it's pretty fun. Uh, mostly you get up in the morning and you write three pages. Um, and you'd be surprised how hard that is. Um, but here we go. Still doing it. Eating, cooking at home every day. Turns out that's totally possible. Um, been playing a lot of the show. Uh, I don't know how to go online. I think I have to pay for that. So I'll, I'll try to set that up. I don't know how it works. I'm an old person when it comes to video games. But I've been playing the show 20. I did buy it because I had... 2017 and 2018 and I decided last year like you don't need to buy the same game every year um but then this year everybody was kind of everybody meaning all my friends in my baseball league were buying it so I was like I'll just I'll buy it I literally haven't spent money in a month um on anything other than food and my utilities and things like that so I bought the show and I play it on beginner and it's a lot of fun <laughs> I'm just starting to pick up some of how it works playing it over and over again. Um, I really like doing the weekly challenge thing. That's a lot of fun. And I've been playing March to October as both Cleveland and the Dodgers. I'm playing the Dodgers on like the second harder thing. And it's so difficult. Um, but playing as Cleveland on beginner is pretty great. And, uh, you know, I feel like maybe I've got a chance at watching Cleveland win a world series this year, which is a lot closer than I would be in reality if they were actually playing. Um, so with that, we'll be back after this first ad break, uh, with some baseball, actual baseball news. If you can believe it, we'll be right back right after this. All right. Weren't those some great ads? If you can, I know money is tight and thoughts are tight, you know, all these things. But if you can support the businesses that support this podcast, it helps us out. So we really appreciate uh, anything you can do. Uh, appreciate that. It helps keep Forever Dog running and all of those podcasts going. Um, and Forever Dog has some great podcasts. Um, and Bench Coach Brett has some great notes for me. We have Asian Baseball League updates. Taiwan's top league is set to start next week, and the source of that is Taiwan News. Now, I tried to do some research. I went to art school, um, and I didn't really take a ton of history classes. I also went 
to private Catholic school for most of my life. So forgive me if referring to Taiwan as Taiwan is a mistake. Um, I looked it up and cross-referenced it to the women's uh, baseball World Cup, and they're not called Taiwan there. They're called Chinese Taipei, which I was told was, at the time, not politically correct. So I'm hoping that referring to Taiwan as Taiwan is politically correct for the people of Taiwan. So I'm doing my best, and I'm totally open to criticism, I'm just unaware of it right now. So Taiwan's top league, the Chinese Professional Baseball League, will become the first in the world to start its 2020 season with opening day scheduled for April 11th. The first game will take place in Taiwan City on Friday evening with the home team and last year's champions, Rakuten Monkeys, competing against the China Trust Brothers. Those are some great baseball team names. Uh, Man, I would love to play for the Monkeys, you know? Hey, hey, they're the monkeys. Oh my God, it's a joke. Holy shit. Uh, CPBL president John Wu has called on baseball fans to stay home for the broadcast and refrain from gathering outside the baseball stadium to avoid potential exposures to the virus. The league will also implement strict preventative measures at stadiums, training fields, and hotels that will receive baseball players following the advice of experts and the Central Epidemic Command Center, the CECC. It has also simplified game schedules to ensure that teams will travel less during the season. In place of fans, the Rakuten Monkeys announced that for the first game of the season, they will fill the stadium with up to 500 robot mannequins decorated with the team jersey, hats, rally posters, and face masks. And there will be a picture in in the notes of this episode. It's honestly pretty fantastic. And I... <laughs> gotta give it to them to include face masks on people because that's my biggest complaint about what the MLB wants to do um, and my biggest concern and I'll get back into it when we get into that section but once you start going back to normal and opening things back up again it it too early or while it's still going on which is what the United States wants to do uh, the government at least um you, people still like I have friends all over the country just because just because I do and a friend of mine lives in Cincinnati and he went to the grocery store two days ago and he reached out to me about it and he was like yeah nobody it's business as usual so people are already going back to business as usual even though like we haven't even really started and that is my biggest concern with major sports coming back that it is the sense of normalcy that people will perceive as, oh, well, baseball's back, so everything's fine, you know? So I really commend them for putting these face masks on their, like, fake audience, and who knows, maybe I'm being lulled into a false sense of security by seeing this, but at the same time, it's like, uh, doing it's doing something, you know? It's doing something. Uh, the CPBL is a five-team league that spans Taiwan and typically draws sizable crowds. It's a simpler and smaller operation than the East Asian Professional Baseball Leagues, but it should be a good bellwether for weather and how baseball can resume. I also, that's a great thing to point out, is that we don't even have five-team leagues leagues of anything. You know, like all the, the major men's professional sports uh, systems and administrations have all 
just like the corporations in the United States have wiped out all the smaller operations. So there is no test market. You have to then take the largest thing and dwindle it down into something that represents what we had 40 years ago with like smaller circuits and, um, you know, like junior leagues and semi pros and like all that stuff went away because, because of like the corporatization of everything, uh, the globalization of everything that like we can, there can only be major league baseball and that's it, you know? Um, and I, I at first had a lot of hopes that this pandemic might break those things open, but now in week five or wherever, we're at it's I, I'm unsure <laughs> I'm unsure if it's gonna make any difference really in the long run I think it makes a difference in individual people's lives um and speaking of that I, I forgot to even talk about it up top just because there's so much going on but um uh John Prine died this week and I'm sure there's a lot of obviously we have J- Jason Isbell as the the theme song of this podcast and he and John Prine were collaborators and friends and Amanda Shires was uh, a collaborator and friend of John Prine and uh, you know my heart and thoughts and everything good vibes go and light go out to them I'm so sorry for their loss and uh, it's just uh, I, I don't know it's so like everyone 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 meets their fate but it just feels like you know this is a situation where he battled cancer twice and won, <laughs> but this was too much. And like, it just didn't have to happen. You know, it just, nothing has to happen, but, um, it's just a sad, it's a sad way to watch somebody go, but also like he left all the answers and he left his work behind and, um, just can't waste it, you know? Um, so anyway, back to baseball, I guess, uh, South Korean baseball plans on, early may return and that sources ap on that one with new cases of coronavirus virus falling in south korea the country's baseball league is targeting an early may restart with teams preparing to pr- play se- preseason exhibition games as early as april 21st on wednesday the country recorded 53 new infections the co- third consecutive day that has seen new cases around the 50 mark the downward trend from a february 29th peak of 900 is increasing the chances of the 10-team Korea Baseball Organization League not only starting in May, but playing a full 144-game season. If the situation continues to improve from here on, teams will start facing each other in preseason games beginning on April 21st, and we should be able to get the regular season started in early May. KBO Secretary General Ryu Daihuan said after a meeting with club general managers in Seoul. If we see an increase in cases a couple of days leading up to April 21, we'll postpone the preseason, Ryu said. We may even make that call on the eve of the first games. So that kind of language is something that I think is missing with the sort of American model. Um, It it seems to me that versus uh, South Korea is taking no, (laughs) just very much taking it very seriously and not considering just like wanting to get these things going again, but control of the virus is the more important thing. Um, and for me, it just feels like America's backwards on that. Like baseball is the more important thing. So who cares? <laughs> Even though I know they're talking about safety measures, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel, it feels pretty dangerous to me. <laughs> That's kind of 
where, what I'm going with. Um, and Japan postpones season. Source, Japan Times. Japan's NPB, the Nippon Professional Baseball League, was tentatively scheduled to begin play on April 24th after pushing back opening day twice from its original date of March 20th. However, the league had begun moving on from that plan last week after consultations with a panel of medical experts. And after Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's declaration of a state of emergency on Tuesday, the NPB officially said it would close its main office for the time being. And Commissioner Atsushi Saito released a statement saying the league would further delay the start of its season. Shortly after Abe made the declaration, official NPB said it would close its main office located in Tokyo's Minato Ward for the time being. Commissioner Atsushi Saito also released a statement saying the league would have to further delay the start of its season. Sounds very much like the U.S. Even still, Japanese clubs remain able to do quite a bit more than is presently possible for their MLB peers. Teams are backing away from full squad workouts, but are still holding individual or small group practices at team facilities. Sounds like Japan is kind of following us (laughs) or leading the way, I guess. Uh, On Wednesday, the Japan Professional Baseball Players Association, which consists of 725 members, announced that players would be making donations to a fund set up to help combat the virus on the Japanese crowdfunding platform ReadyFor. So seems like South Korea has has, uh, their eyes set on the more appropriate goal. Taiwan already got their shit under control and they're moving forward. And Japan is kind of in the same boat as the United States. (laughs) So we'll see uh, how much baseball starts happening. Um, I think the South Korean vote of, hey, this might, we're going to try, but we might even call it the night before, is probably the best and safest way of moving forward. Um, And then finally, we get into the MLB proposal to play in Arizona. And the source for this one is once again AP. Putting all 30 teams in the Phoenix area this season and playing in empty ballparks was among the ideas discussed Monday by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. The sides held a telephone call to talk about paths forward for a season delayed by the coronavirus pandemic. People familiar with the discussion told the Associated Press. They spoke to the AP on condition of anonymity because no details were announced. Ideas are in the early stage, so let's keep that in mind. And the Arizona option would have many obstacles to overcome, the people said. I question, so this is the second week in a row that we've talked about MLB operations and things going on in there with leaks coming from condition of anonymity. So I wonder if these people are purposely leaking these details to see how the public reacts to these plants. I mean, that's that's how I feel about it, because there is no... There's no league to, to to try it out in, so I feel like they're leaking these things to see what we think and what we say and how we react to it and whether we'll pay attention, whether we think it's a bad idea or whatever. Um, but I'm currently wearing a tinfoil baseball hat, you know? <laughs> uh, MLB has been actively considering numerous, numerous contingency plans that would allow play to commence once the public health situation has improved to the point that it is safe to do so the commissioner's office said in a statement Tuesday. While we have discussed the idea of staging games at one location as one potential option, we have not settled on that option or developed a detailed plan. So this is like something that's definitely not going to happen. 
Some of the other proposed measures prioritize social distancing, such as using robot empires and having players sit apart in the stands rather than together in a dugout. Uh, Five logistical hurdles MLB would need to clear before using the Arizona plan to end coronavirus shutdown. Sources at CBS Sports here. Number one in the five logistical hurdles. The most obvious potential snag is the availability for testing of the coronavirus. So number one is testing. If every team tests each player on the 26-man roster daily, then that would mean MLB is burning through more than 20,000 tests a month. And that's without including coaches, trainers, scouts, executives, grounds crew, umpires, or anyone else who might come into contact with those individuals. The state of Arizona as a whole has thus far administered just more than 33,000 tests. So that should be enough <laughs> right there. Um, you The, the logistical... Uh, yeah, okay. Clearly. I don't think I need to go into that one any further. Uh, two, weather. While Arizona is an obvious landing spot for MLB thanks to its dense concentration of ballparks, there is one downside to the state, the heat. And it's a dry heat. Uh, Chase Field may have a retractable dome, but the other ballparks in the area do not. With Phoenix routinely topping 100 degrees from June to September, the league will have to either, one, scrap its desire to do weekly doubleheaders, or two, ask players to play in the extreme heat. I think between these two logistical hurdles, we've probably gotten our answer that this does not make any sense on a human level. But three, let's get into injuries. If ball games are being played, then ball players are going to get hurt. That could mean a strained hamstring or it could mean a torn ACL. Either presents an issue for MLB in this altered format. Not only would MLB have to provide quality health care for its players during a pandemic, it would have to have a plan in place for whenever a player requires a non-essential surgery, which many doctors have opted against performing until the coronavirus is under control. Four, the minors. Injuries are inevitable, and the other side of the topic is what teams do when they lose a player. So in theory, MLB could allow for expanded rosters. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, Reported the league and union have talked about expanding rosters all the way to 50 players following the shutdown or could permit each team to employ a taxi squad. But some teams will be feasted on by the injury bug more than others. So what happens if a team requires more players than it has available to it? And what happens to the minor league players who are not included on the initial roster anyway? Do they simply go without playing this year or are they going to be isolated from the big league players on the off chance they're required to fill in for those who either get hurt or become ill? I mean, it just once you start pulling the thread at this thing, it falls apart pretty quickly. And it doesn't, to me, like just the simple idea and the fact that players are being quote, like I saw Nolan Arenado was like, if it's safe, I'm in. And like, come on, man. Like, it's not safe. It's just not safe. It might be safe for you, but it's not going to be safe for other people. And that is the essential American quandary of this pandemic is that people are only people for the most part are thinking about themselves and not wanting to get it. And the fact that they're like, okay with getting it means they go out and do the things they want to do, or they don't believe that it's a problem because we're not actually seeing what's actually happening to people. Because in this country, we don't show those kinds of things on the news. We don't show what it looks like when bad things happen. We just don't see it. We see the caskets with flags draped on them and that's it. We see the doctors working and that's it. But we don't actually see 
what's happening. I was thinking last night playing the show, one of my games was against the Houston Astros. And I remembered when um, Albert Almora Jr. hit that foul ball and it hit that little girl in the stands. And I mean, I guess rightly so they didn't show it, but it's the fact that we didn't see it that allows for people to not believe that it's that bad. And I think that that is the sort of American exceptionalism of all of the thing is that we just don't think it's that bad. Unless you see it and witness it firsthand, it's not that bad. You can even watch video of it and it's not that bad. But once you experience it in your own life, then you're able to see how bad these things could potentially be for other people. And I wish that more people could understand that there are a lot of people that have it way worse off and we could all just do a little bit better and try to take care of each other as much as we can, even if that just means don't leave your house. Um, Cause not everybody can make masks and not everybody can do this. And like, if we could just take care of the least of us, then we would have the most of us, you know? And speaking of the most of us, that brings us to our last major logistical hurdle, which is family matters. We'll finish with the most important part of the equation for the players themselves, their families. Players might have to go four plus months without seeing their wives or children. It would be understandable if they push back on that part of the scenario. If MLB players, if, if the MLB permitted players to bring their families with them to the Arizona compounds, a sensible compromise, then that would necessitate the league securing more resources, be it space, food, tests, etc. It just doesn't make any sense. It's using resources. The MLB is a billions dollar corporation and Yes, the revenue depends on the product being on the field. They have so much money, they could be fighting this thing. It's, I mean, baseball shut down to fight World War II. Baseball needs to shut down to fight this because you will not have fans left. Um, and we'll actually get into that in, in a little bit more in the interview that's coming up right after this that I'm very excited for you guys to hear because I love these two folks a lot. I love playing baseball with them. I love talking to them. Um, please stick around. Come back after this ad break uh, for my interview with my pals, Wayland and Greg. Uh, you guys, I'm so excited about uh, the guests on the show today. Um, not only are they just some of my favorite people on the planet, but uh, they have an amazing podcast called Duck Snort, which is obviously a baseball podcast. If you don't know the term Duck Snort, you should look it up. Pause this podcast, look it up, and then come back to us. Um, not only do they have that podcast, which I had a great time being on, they're also league mates of mine in uh, the baseball league that I participate in my real actual life uh, on one of my favorite teams in that league, the Sliders. Please welcome to the show, Greg and Wayland. You guys, it's so good to have you here. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Pretty good. We're all in different places. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We sure are, but we're all used to it by now, right? Oh, yeah. This (laughs) is just like, this is just how things are. This is what life is. I barely even remember the before times. Yeah, the at this before point. times, uh, the long, long ago. Um, uh, it is hard to remember. This morning or last night, I was thinking that how like when am I gonna stop saying before this? You know, like every time I talk to people about like oh before this thing happened, I was doing this thing. You know, like 
pretty soon, probably. Probably like June. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you have to clarify. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you have to clarify because if you're like telling a story, you're like, oh yeah, I like went to the bar and you're three months ago. Yeah, right. Don't worry, yeah, I'm not yeah. insane. It wasn't yesterday, <laughs> I'm not a psychopath. Um, but yeah, Waylon and Greg, it's so good to have you here. We've been playing in the league together for how many years? Were you guys in the previous iteration? I can't remember. No, we've only been in it since it's been LABF. So we two seasons and we'll start a third whenever Whenever that happens. We can. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'll also let's start before we get into uh like baseball, let's start why I'm having you on this podcast. It's not just because I really like you guys and uh have a great time talking uh-huh. to you. Um, it's because we are gonna start watching some baseball together and live streaming it to people. So, and they can, you know, pay and watch it. And uh, we can have a good time, uh, you know, pretending that baseball is still happening actively. And we're going to do that. Uh, that's going to start on the 19th of April, which is next Sunday at 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. Yeah. Can't wait. I can't. I it, mean, it's going to be super vacuum, exciting. The <laughs> vacuum of baseball, like in our lives, our collective lives, but I think also like just individually in my life is like so strongly felt yeah, at this for time. Sure. Like I would literally be watching baseball. Like, I don't know as long as it's on, right. If there's right. a day, if there's like a morning game, I'm going 10 AM to 10 PM. Right. Yeah. And like, so I've really been feeling it the last like week or two. So super excited to watch some like classic games with you guys and I'm sort of relive them or live them for the first time in some cases. Um, and also just like talk about them in the context of like the present day and, and what we know about sort of those players and those characters in those games and, and sort of how, I don't know how we view baseball through the prism of present day. Oh yeah. You know? The very, very weird prism, the sort of the <laughs> annihilation shimmer of present day. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's just what, what we need. What we need day to is like it? walk outside and see a, a deer with like 18 antlers. It's yeah. like, sure, sure, that's normal. Well, I, would it even field. phase us? Not at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. Not at all. Um, We're like, oh yeah, it's a symptom. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> um, but yeah, Greg, I, and you you guys both came up with a name or Greg, you came up with a name. What are we calling it? I, I came up with a name. We're calling it the old ball game, which, which is, is better Then my initial suggestion, which was without written consent, which I think (laughs) (laughs) would have been uh, too deliberately goading of MLB. (laughs) Right. It's, uh, yeah, really, really asking Rob Manfred to stop on by, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Which he's welcome if he wants to join for a stream. Sure, yeah. Let's talk about the baseball. We get a harsher penalty than any of the Astros players. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. They'd make us publicly apologize, like, in public, live streamed. Uh, But I'm really excited about it. We have a... I I love talking to you guys about baseball. And, Greg, you were saying, like, the vacuum of baseball in your life is very felt and how much you watch it. Are you a just-put-it-on and experience it through the day kind of a watcher? Do you have like specific, like who's your team? How do you watch it? Like, let's, let's run that down. Let's, let's get into the details. Well, my team is the Chicago White Sox. I'm one of the proud few. (laughs) One Um, of the 12 fans of the Yeah, exactly. But (laughs) definitely a diehard. Um, But I do, like you sort of said, like I experience it sort of in the background a lot as well, Mm -hmm. where if there's a White Sox game on, I'll definitely put it on and I'll sort of actively pay attention to it. But also like the 
sort of the sound of baseball is very comforting to me. And I also just like the, you know, I'm a writer like you, Rhea, so I, I end up working from home a lot. And so it's a great thing to just sort of be able to check in on um, sort of for little brain breaks, right, throughout the day or just at lunch or whatever. You know, when I work in an office, I'll, I'll put MLB TV in the corner of my screen. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely am, the way I experience baseball is like, Lots of time and like a large percentage of that time is sort of like passive listening or like passive watching, um, which is kind of what I love about it. Right. Like there's so many players, so many storylines that I can figure out a way to like invest in any game if it's on and I just glance up at it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take me long to like sink my teeth into something like I uh, it's very satisfying for me to watch you know, JT riddles at bat for the Marlins and be like, I wonder if he's the shortstop of the future for the Marlins, you know, or whatever, which nobody else gives a shit about, but, uh, I do. So sure, yeah. <laughs> that's how I experience it. I know Wayland experiences it kind of differently. Yeah. Well, Wayland, let's get into it. What about you? Yeah. I mean, some of us the same. It's if, if it's the baseball season, it's always on, I guess I should say I'm a Cubs and Royals fan. Ooh. Uh, I claim dual fanship because when I was a kid, the American League and National League were still pretty separate, and I felt like it was okay to have one of you. Yeah, each. that was that's. Kind of, I'm still of that mindset. Like I still feel it, even though it's not as separate as you're, you, you know, you're saying. But like, I still feel like it's okay to do that. I mean, it's okay to do whatever the hell you want. But for yeah, me, you can do whatever, you, can do whatever you, want. Yeah. you want. Except I do draw the line at the. Do you remember those commercials like two seasons ago where it was for like merchandise basically and it was showing people wearing like three different teams at the same time oh yeah no you don't do that (laughs) that's a bridge too far but yeah no you got to keep it separate but the same yeah exactly (laughs) precisely uh so i mean if the cubs are on or the royals are on i'll watch them uh if they're both on at the same time which they are a lot i'll usually flip back and forth unless it's like late in the season and the royals are terrible then a lot of times i We'll stick to the Cubs. I, I always describe you as sort of like 60% Cubs fan, 40% Royals fan. Does that sound wow. like sort of an accurate? Uh, oh, uh, I mean, I consider them like 1A and 1B, but Cubs are 1A. I think sure. yeah, Cubs, yeah. If, they met in the world, if they met in the World Series at this point, especially since they both won, I'd, I'd take the Cubs. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's pretty accurate. Uh, I lean a little more Cubs and Royals, but I, I love I love the Royals. Uh, but Watching habits, yeah. If baseball's on, it's on in my house or on my computer. Or I listen to the. I'll listen to if baseball's on. I'm in the car. I'll listen to a radio broadcast, even if it's not the Cubs or Royals. Uh, I'm big into announcers. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're getting at, Greg. <laughs> uh, so I'll watch. I'll watch games just for the announcers, either to hate them or to love them. Do you mean the announcers, or you mean the commentary, like color commentary, or you mean the uh, announcers both. in the stadium? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, the, I just, I just uh, wanted to make like sure because I know many people who have very strong opinions about like their their in-stadium announcers that are like, I can't stand this person. No, I'm not that. In t- uh, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten that deep, but, <laughs> right. uh, but it's the like the the booth. Yeah. The right. Play by play color. Uh, uh, I most of my opinions, especially if my wife is sitting around who is not in, that into baseball is me either praising or ripping on the announcers so just get, uh, who's your favorite who's your least favorite uh i'm a big home body i think i try to look at it objectively i think the cubs uh have the best radio announcer pat hughes by far and i really think that len and jd the cubs announcers are mm-hmm. my favorite color or my favorite combo 
Uh, I'm probably a little biased. Um, my least favorite, man, the Pirates have a really terrible team. I don't know their name, sure. but they like, their level of enthusiasm is like they're comment, commentating on like mowing the yard. Like it's so <laughs> hard to get them excited sure. and they are, they're so instantly fed up with the Pirates, which I get. It's, yeah, it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, they're, I think they're the least worst team. Like, there are a lot of teams that have, like, one good color and one bad play-by-play or vice versa. But the Pirates are always just, like, it's a slog. Yeah. Uh, I, I sorry, really, Pirates fans, sure. if you... I feel like Roasted. Pirates fans probably agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, they're not... They're like, <laughs> yeah. yes, we, we relate. And I, you know, <laughs> Greg, you were talking about the ASMR of it because I really agree. Like, I think... So sometimes I'll just remember watching... Because my family watched a lot of Atlanta games... Um, cause we had TBS and like, uh, my grandfather used to say Cleveland is the team you beat. So like, which is pretty accurate. So, uh, you know, after a while it's like, you just want to watch something else. But, um, I have like so many memories of just listening to the TV, not watching the TV broadcast, but just listening to it. And like the sound of the ceiling fan. Cause it had this really long chain that would just mm. like whip around in the middle. And that is like summer to me you know um and john miller too like john oh for sure i feel that way about john miller definitely he's so good um he just like that is what baseball sounds like to me for like that's my generation or whatever that's where i would like and i mean like vin scully of course you know like but that's not my generation i don't i didn't really have any concept of vin scully until i moved here you know which is wild but it speaks to the regional nature of baseball, you know? You know what's funny about that is like, so I grew up in Arizona and I was, um, let's see, I think I was 13 when the Diamondbacks started, but for a large chunk of my childhood, the only games that we got on the radio or anything were the Dodgers Mm -hmm. uh, because that was like the closest team that anybody was interested in, I guess. San Diego is a little bit closer, but you know, Dodgers versus Padres. So like I did grow up on, I grew up on the randomest collection of announcers. It was like John Miller and Vin Scully and Hawk Harrelson and Harry Carey, like because the Cubs games were on WGN all the time. White Sox were on WGM sometimes and I would watch them all the time. And then like Sunday night baseball and Dodgers games on the radio in my dad's car. That was like, those were the <laughs> yeah. like four voices. Wow. Yeah. Did you guys uh, ever Denny... play ESPN Sunday or ESPN baseball tonight on Sega Genesis? I had it for computer. Oh, no. I had it for my computer and I was obsessed <laughs> with it computer. for sure. Is a hell of a phrase. <laughs> I had it for my like. I had it for computer. Windows Gateway ninety, wow, Windows yeah. ninety eight, or whatever. <laughs> nice, uh, Wayland. You were gonna say something about. Uh... Oh, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to also Denny Matthews, who I think now that Vince Scully's retired is the longest English speaking announcer mm. with one club. He's been with the Royals since the beginning. Wow. And wow. he like speaking of holding some like he like. Just his voice is like your ceiling fan. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. He's also one of those old school dudes that doesn't get excited for anything because you're not supposed to, like Ben Scully was. Right. Like, uh, but with inflection, his voice—he has a very crazy voice. I try to. Im- I'm not going to try to imitate it now, but uh, if I heard it, <laughs> work I would on try. it. For the- uh, yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to get it together. Thing, yeah. uh, but uh, but I feel like it's like to me, it's like oh, he's a celebrity, and no one knows who he is because why would anybody have listened to Royals radio, or how could they right. have? Until the internet. Uh, but that's Denny Matthews is my guy too. And you bring up a great point, Waylon, that um, I want to hear what you guys have to say about it because you're big broadcast 
baseball people uh that like you're not supposed to be into it you know that you're supposed to be this like um neutral party how do you because i feel like like, that's completely changed and in some ways i feel okay about it because like many well i don't feel okay about it because i think it speaks (laughs) to the larger issue which is like that the communications companies own the team as opposed to it being a partnership you know so like Uh, um the people that do like i can't i'm blanking on everybody this is what happens like if i'm interpersonally (laughs) talking to somebody i can remember everything but as soon as i hit record i'm like what's a guy's name who's the what's it um but like you know the on-field people they don't work they work for the dodgers but they they really work for sportsnet la and sportsnet la is owned by the dodgers but also owns the dodgers and it's like confusing and it makes sense you would be excited but also you're supposed to be a neutral thing it's like it's a weird lack of separation of church and state of in baseball (laughs) you know yeah yeah i mean i think like the best broadcasters can sort of walk that line very well between um sort of being fans of the team but like evaluating things Mm -hmm. impartially like i think that's what I want as like a fan is somebody who sort of if they had their way, yeah, the team's going to win, but they can also criticize the team. And I think the criticism part is the part that like has gone away some, some in some ways in, in sort of the modern era. I mean, so I grew up on Hawk Harrelson, you know, who's like the most notorious Homer (laughs) of all time. So like Uh. I'm fine with Homerism, but like what bothers me a little bit more, I think is like, you know, the beat writers on various team websites and stuff like the, the writers right. and like, or the sideline people who like literally are employed by the team. And it's just like fluff, you know, and especially in writing for some reason, it, it like bothers me more if they're not willing to take a discerning eye to the team and they're just right. sort of like, it's going to be another great year. And I'm like, yeah. they lost 99 <laughs> games last year. What are you talking about? You know, Right. I mean, I'm all for like a good time. But like you're saying, fluff is like it's it 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 is more of an ad for the team than it is like a piece. Like people, these people aren't beat writers because like the beat writers of yesterday. Like I think of Lindsay Adler who writes for the Athletic and writes about the Yankees. She's like the beat writer for the Athletic on the Yankees. You know, like there's that very specific way of saying like, well, this is the job. The job like and. I think she likes the Yankees, but she's also very critical of a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's also like her primary job is to write about it, not to like cheer on a team, but she also expresses joy in the the job that she's doing and the job that they're doing on occasion. You know what I mean? It's like, but I think this thing that we're talking about speaks to so much because we have such mass communication that it's been very easy to like fill the cracks with ads and we don't even realize like how much of it is advertised. There was a, um, you know, all these like old clips are recirculating cause there's no new baseball and little like Twitter clips of games and stuff. And it, I think I saw the, it was opening day Mets opening day, 1981, like Seaver versus Pete Rose. <laughs> that was great. And a little dog bark. That was, and like a little race. Um, it was Tom Seaver versus Pete Rose and at bat. Right. And I watched the whole at bat and they were showing the, uh, the, the crowd and most of them were not wearing Mets gear. 
And like oh, you think about that and then you think about a game like, yeah, people, they weren't mass well, producing I, this stuff. Yeah, you know? merchandising has definitely changed. Like you didn't <laughs> used to be able to get like your father's day, like t-shirt uh, with, yeah. you know. Flag day, Mookie Arbor Blaylock. day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Mookie Blaylock bobblehead or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was like, I mean, they're, it, they made like the hat and that was it. You yeah. could get the hat. I remember getting Cleveland stuff like a Cleveland pullover jersey from Toys R Us. Like Whoa. just on like an end cap, like in 1987 <laughs> or something, you know? Then I had like one hat and that was it. That yeah. was that was I have my Cleveland hat, you know? So many Royals hats. They're just the promotional hats I got from going to games growing up. It's <laughs> yeah. like, that's, that's the merchandise. It's like, oh, it says Dodge on it, but it's still. <laughs> <laughs> I always hated those when I was a kid, especially because they were all for like, like Native American casinos in Arizona. Uh, so it was oh like, God. I couldn't go to a Diamondbacks game and wear the hat because it was mostly for Casino del Sol, not for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yikes. Um, yeah, Jim Hamilton is another. Have you guys ever listened to Jim Hamilton call a Cleveland game? I don't think I so. I don't know. Is he maybe. TV or radio? Oh, yes. He's no, radio. he's great. Oh, he's amazing. He's one of the best. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. He, he, he gets really excited, but he also gets really disappointed. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty great. Uh, and yeah, I feel like the the Cubs Cleveland World Series was like also a match of really great uh, broadcast. You know, like radio oh, yeah. people too. I remember reading a piece about like they talked to each of them preparing for Game Seven, like what they would <laughs> say. You know, um, yeah. And it was a pretty cool thing to read. I mean, heartbreaking, but you know, a cool thing to read to like, cause you don't really think about that. Like, Oh, these guys prepare, these people prepare for the games too. You know, like they go in with a game plan of like, what are you going to say for the moment yeah. that's going to get played forever? You know? Yeah. Which is Pat a cool Hughes thing. call still will make me cry just about haven't heard it <laughs> every time. It's great. You should listen to it. I think you'd love it. I, I think I would love it. I think I should just play it on a loop during yeah. this time. You would probably cry too, maybe for a different reason. Yeah, I I shed a lot of tears over that thing. I recently read too about um, the potential of putting Josh Tomlin in at bat instead of uh, whatever his name was, Michael. I can't even think of his last name. Martinez, the pitcher. Uh, Michael Martinez was not the pitcher. That made me cry too. And I was like, maybe I should not read this right now. (laughs) The little cowboy. Um, So how are you guys getting your, I mean, obviously we're going to, we're going to get a baseball fix by watching some games together and hanging out with the folks that are listening and some new, new friends too. Um, Oh, if you want to tune into those, we're going to have information on the three swings uh, website. We also have the Patreon is going to have all the explanation on there. That's patreon.com slash three swings. And uh, I'll tweet that out and Instagram that out and all kinds of stuff. You can find that in there. And then the, also the notes of this podcast, you can find all that info. Um, And the first episode is going to be for everyone, right? It's going to be free, totally free. Yeah. That one's going to be free. So you can check it out. Also, it's going to be live. So you can, we're, we're trying to figure out the specifics of using YouTube or Twitch. So it's going to be one of those two spots, but we would love to have you guys watch live with us. Cause that would be a lot more fun, you know, um, interact with you in the comments and everything. And, uh, we, should we say what game it is? No, we haven't. I was just going to throw it to you guys to, uh, yeah. Waylon, which game is it? It's the, uh, <laughs> 1995 game five of the ALDS, uh, which you might remember as the Edgar Martinez, uh, the double plate, to put the double to play King Kirby Jr., right? Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah it was uh, spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. I just blew the whole deal. It's 25 year old baseball game. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, uh, and yeah. it, also the game that uh, probably saved um, baseball in Seattle. Oh, great point. Which, yeah, which we could get into more when we do it. But uh, certainly, kind of the Mar- actually, the high point of Mariners history, really. Right. That. I and mean, the, maybe this is something we can talk of about last season. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when yeah. everybody's like, "Oh my God, the Mariners might take it." Yeah, they finally did it. And, no, and all of Jerry Depoto's of trading. If you like trades, now is <laughs> yeah. the oh, yeah. era of the Mariners for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, either that or maybe it was just like dread when they won one sixteen and they still knew that they would probably lose to the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I'd say one of those two. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna start with that game. It's a it's a all time great. Uh, playoff game. I think it was the first year that there was the ALDS. Indeed, right after the and, strike. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Did you guys know that the strike started on my birthday in 1994? Oh, <laughs> devastating. <laughs> I remember and very I, well that day. Like I was, I like cried over my baseball cards. I was like looking yeah, through yeah. my baseball cards, being like, "I'll never see you again, <laughs> Harold Baines." <laughs> I was like, I hung on for so, I mean, it's the same hope I'm having now that there is a baseball season, but just like, I remember A, the strike happening and and B, the day that they were like, it's over. The season's done as being like, what? How? (laughs) (laughs) Very (laughs) How could there not be a World Series? Yeah. Uh, Which brings me to a point that I already discussed myself on the podcast, but I would love to hear your thoughts about this like Arizona season that they're pitching. Oh, it's so it's such a terrible idea. Yeah, it seems pretty outlandish <laughs> to me. I don't I don't think there's like really any realistic possibility of that happening. I feel like it's no, a lot more I, realistic for like the country to get back to normal by <laughs> August than it is to like isolate yeah, you know, 150 baseball players or whatever like it, yeah, uh, it doesn't. That, right? it, yeah, it's it's more than that and then also like it's not t- I mean to me it's like the most obvious uh, like billionaire owners and you know like the the machine of the whole thing just going like well how do we put the product out there you know it's like <laughs> you're not taking into consideration any like humanity of it you know like and even to not get into the nitty-gritty of that it's like to me putting something like baseball back into motion right now allows for people to start thinking that things are back to normal. Like you said, Greg, where, which is like not a great thing to put into the water to, cause people will start no. going out. Cause they're like, Oh, baseball's happening again. So everything's back to normal. And like the reality of watching all those teams play in one place. I mean, it's, it's insane. Especially <laughs> Arizona in the middle of July in open air stadiums, like, but they probably know. won't open it. Right. I mean, I feel like no, that's like why they're doing just it in like Arizona. no dome, like no dome. Like it's going to be a hundred and fifteen degrees playing these yeah. games. <laughs> like, my, uh, yeah, it's it's just so unrealistic on so many levels. Like, <laughs> is it really responsible to like like they're going to need a bunch of medical personnel there because right. baseball players get hurt all the time and they're going to? You know, it's it's but totally that crazy. Mean also, like all of your triple A and double A squads would also need to be quarantined because they need to get called up if there's an injury. Like, yeah, right. it's just. It's not thought through at all. Not to mention, like, how many people do you need to clean that stadium? So they also have to be quarantined from their families. And then also, if somebody gets hurt, then they're getting, like, of course they should get medical care because they're getting hurt. 
but it's taking medical care. It's like, it's not, oh, there's right. no forethought from like, what, what? <laughs> like, I, I also like, I feel like it was like leaked and like, to be fair to the owners, it probably was in the very idea stages of like, what are the possible ways this sure. could happen? Right. Like, it yeah. doesn't seem consider, like they were, like, the wheels were in place to implement this. So. Con- consider every <laughs> like possibility, I guess. Right. But yeah. like, you know, th- it would make a lot more sense to me if they were like, oh, we're going to do like a, a mini like all-star tournament to tie people over. And there's going to be like, four teams and they're going to play for a week, right? Like I can see that possibly working, but I, I would still be skeptical, but like sure, yeah. yeah, a full 30 teams in right. Phoenix camera operators, sound operators, yeah, ball so boys, much. ball yeah. girls. Like how do you even, there is a part of me though, in talking about it with you guys that like, um, sadistically wants to watch because because like i am all about labor and i'm all about people's labor being paid for the way that it should be but there is also a part of me that really wants to watch a bunch of millionaire pampered male athletes have to play the gnarliest (laughs) like high school round robin situation you know and just be like yeah you enjoy it enjoy it you've been pampered for how you know like your life has gotten to be this this one thing forever and now now you don't get any whatever. I don't LAB, know. <laughs> I'm sure LABF would donate like Ralph Foy Field on on Sundays. In oh yeah, I'd, for I'd major love leaguers to, see to come play. <laughs> Take some bad see... hops on our rocky ass infield. Absolutely, yeah. round the Balcos, boys. <laughs> so speaking of LABF, uh, you guys, you guys are on a team. One, one of my favorite teams. I love playing you guys, the Sliders. Um, the deepest bench in the league, I feel like. <laughs> For sure. Also the flakiest bunch. So. <laughs> it works out pretty good. Um, and you guys, uh, you've been in the league for two years. Um, tell me how you like got to it. And also before, maybe before we get into that, like how, what, what was your intro to baseball? Like in your, in your life, whoever wants to go first. Well, I'll, I'll go, uh, so I, I guess let's start with the very beginning. So my dad is a huge baseball fan. So that's how I got introduced. There's pictures of me as like an infant. Uh, I was born in September 86. And uh, so there's pictures of me as an infant on his lap, watching the Mets Red Sox World Series, watching the Bill Buckner game and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and he grew up in Chicago. So that's why I'm a White Sox fan. So baseball has always kind of been in my life. Um but I was really bad at it as a kid. Like in Little League, I was like really small and like terrified of the ball. And I walked a lot because <laughs> I, I was scared to swing. <laughs> and I made a lot of errors because I was scared the ball was going to hit me. And so like I basically didn't play from the age of like 12 until the age of 30 um, when our producer on Duck Snort, who's also a good friend of ours and a good friend of yours, Joe Weber, was in the previous uh, LA league. And so when he became the manager of the sliders, he asked us if we wanted to play and we were both like, hell yeah, absolutely. I was very scared. I was like, I'm going to, we got another dog in action. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like totally terrified. I was like, I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to be super bad at this, but it sounds fun. And then I don't have like, I used to play like sort of city leagues and different sports and stuff and I wasn't doing anything. So did it. And it's been awesome. I've, I've loved it. Yeah, it's been really. What other um, what other city league sports did you play? Uh, I played ultimate frisbee for a long time. Like I played mm, in college, yeah. and then I played in in city leagues in Tucson, and I would play 
uh, pickup and stuff every once in a while. Waylon and I tried to play pickup one time and I uh, hurt my leg <laughs> like two minutes in and I couldn't walk for like three months. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a bummer. It was like it was a regular a game bummer. and I've been trying to get Greg out and he like immediately hurts himself. Yeah, like the worst sports know. injury I've ever sustained. Like, yeah. Oh my God. I was like, I guess this is the difference between playing Ultimate Frisbee when you're 20 and 30, but... <laughs> it's a big... It's a huge difference. Uh, what about you, Waylon? How did you, I mean, Joe obviously asked you, but what, what was your uh, early experience of baseball? What got you yeah, hooked? Yeah, I don't know my baseball origin story. Um, my No one in my family, my uncle is a pretty big baseball fan, but I wasn't like super close to him. I don't know why. I, I don't have any memories where I didn't love baseball. And if, sure, when yeah. I talked to my parents about it, they were like, you were watching games when you were like four. Uh, but I don't know why, cause they didn't <laughs> watch games. And so, <laughs> yeah. but like, I, like, I literally just always like early, like George Brett and Nolan Ryan were two of my favorites when I was a kid and they retired in 93 when I was nine. So like, uh, I was always into it. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a Royals fan because they're the closest team and a Cubs fan because they were on WGN. I think I liked, I was like underdogs and they were the ultimate underdog for a long time. Um, but yeah, I always just was just as into baseball as possible. I was got really into the history of the game. So I just had like volumes and volumes of books and like baseball encyclopedias about like old players. So that's I always watch current seasons, but also um, I'm still very into like the history of the game. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I like to talk about like my favorite players of all time um, being players that were, you know, dead before I was born. Sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, then I also grew up playing because I loved it so much. It was the sport I was probably the least good at of the sports I played, but I played until my freshman year of high school. And then, uh, like right before the first game, I, I made it through spring training, but our coach was like treating us like we had to commit to it as if we were going to go pro. And I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, this isn't worth my time to just like be constantly like, uh, have someone yell at me. Uh, so I left and, uh, all through college, I played pickup games. I played a few here. And then I was just really excited when Joe asked me because that's, it's the hardest game to just pick up and play. Yeah, I play a lot you, of, you yeah. need so many people, you need a field, you need all that equipment. Equipment, and, yeah. yeah. And I grew up in a small town where you could just show up at a field and if it was free, you could play. So being mm-hmm. in LA was also really jarring. Because uh, yeah, like, in college, it was the same way. We could just show up to a field if it wasn't during the season and you could play. And this was like really jarring to be like, I had to book the time and spend money and like, <laughs> Not a lot of my comedy friends played baseball growing up, which is weird. And so sure. like getting 18 people together. Uh, so this was like a real, uh, uh, I mean, like I, I'm so I'm so grateful to be in this league. Uh, I play a lot of other sports as well. And this is like instantly became probably my favorite. Uh, and it's really nice. I play a bunch of different sports, but there, there are very few overlap with people I know. So it's a really good mm. opportunity to see different people. Waylon, uh, I, f- I feel sports. like when we first started Duck Nort, duck snore and first like started connecting over baseball correct me if i'm wrong but like you mentioned this idea of like comedy people sort of not being into baseball and ria i'm curious if you felt this too is like when you connect with somebody in the comedy world over baseball it feels like you're sort of like you have this deep dark secret that you didn't know anybody (laughs) shared and suddenly you're like oh my god somebody else feels the same way about this thing like (laughs) I I have to talk to them about it constantly (laughs) yeah I feel like so many people uh I I feel like basketball is the more is like the comedy sport and I think it's 
Big time. Somewhat yeah. to do well, with comedy our age. sports is the comedy sport. But <laughs> well, right. Yes. Otherwise, yeah, you're right. yeah. Uh. Comedy with balls or whatever. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's because we the the like basic generation that we grew up in is like the Jordan generation, you know. So like basketball really really became hit its potential in the '90s. Like basketball was like the most perfect '90s sport, you know. Um, Although Ken Griffey Jr. was like the basketball of baseball, if that makes sense. It does. Um, <laughs> so I think that's why so many people don't like baseball, even though I feel like the 90s were a great time for baseball. But I think that's just because I grew up then, you know? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, the steroid thing happened too. So like, if you think about like how great the 90s was, and then also you have to remember like, oh, it's because everyone was cheating. Oh yeah, right. And so like basketball doesn't have that where it's like, I mean, they probably were cheating because everybody. Well, cheats everybody's every sport, cheating, but yeah, everything all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I think that taint really took it out of a lot of people. Sure, <laughs> and I think also it's just not um, people don't. I feel like baseball was. I mean, who's on first is a is one of the most classic like comedic bits of all time, and it's real. It's rooted in baseball, and baseball just didn't just like you said in the nineties, it just basketball overtook it. And I feel like I, the few people that I've met in comedy that are really into baseball. Um, yeah, it's, it's that experience where you're like, wait, what you don't hate it. (laughs) Like so many people I know, it's not that they don't like baseball or their preference is something else. They hate it. They think it's the worst and they wish it would go away. And I'm like, I don't understand how you can feel that way about a sport when golf exists, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's funny. Cause that's exactly how my girlfriend Robin like generally feels about it too. So she's very like tolerant, but she is somebody who's like, the world would probably be a better place or at least her life would be a better place if baseball didn't exist. Cause she wouldn't (laughs) have to endure me dealing with baseball like constantly. Um, But I think, yeah, it, it sort of is like, also just like outside of you know that that sort of like Jordan thing and and the rise of basketball I think like demographically like this is what baseball has been scared of for like decades and decades right is like just younger people are not as into baseball as they once were um but I also but I wonder if baseball could have done anything ever to help promote the game. Well, probably not. That's the thing is like Rob Manfred and Bud Selig's hands are clean in this whole matter. They've done all they could. It's like entropy, you know, or like climate change. There's nothing we could do about it. So why are we even talking about it? Why would we try? We just got to squeeze every last drop of capital out of this thing before it ends. And that's why we need new baseball stadiums in every major league city. That's what I've been saying for years. I don't know that I've really talked about that on this show because I feel like it's this thing that's quietly gone away, but like, and it, that's not unique to baseball. Like football, I would say has had a big, I mean, being somebody that grew up with Cleveland sports, like, (laughs) <laughs> that, that whole thing where it's like this idea that a, a sports team is somehow like a municipal entity that it, it represents us all. And a, like only certain people can do it and B it's it, we pay for it, but they make the money off of it. It's like, this is not, it's definitely not sustainable. And back oh, to this, the whole like sports net LA of it. That was always the concern that, that people have been talking about on NPR that like, I mean, it doesn't, you don't grow your audience if the audience can't, 
how many teams have we talked about that we just grew up watching or caring about because it was on, you know? Yeah. Cause we could watch it cause it was there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Cubs fan because like every day during the summer and they played day games and day I wanted games, to watch yeah. baseball and they were the only ones on at one o'clock. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, they have to be on. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to be able to see them and you have to be able to watch clips and old games on the internet, which the MLB has been dragging their feet this whole time. That's the NBA. That's why they, you can watch anything on the NBA as soon as it happens instantly. And you have been able to do that for years. And the NBA or MLB is just now getting to that. And I don't know why they felt that that wouldn't help. Well, you know, I think that is, I'm glad that they've changed that with this MLB vault YouTube channel. That will be the, that's where we're playing <laughs> the games. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think, Actually, it's it's the same thing that's been happening in sort of TV in general, right? I, I worked at Nickelodeon for many years, and they like in in the, on their digital team for a while of that, and like they wouldn't let anything from TV go on to YouTube or anything because they didn't want to cannibalize the TV ratings because that's where they were making uh-huh. money. And so it's the same thing with MLB of like they want TV ratings to be high because that's where they make most of their money. But it it sort of is definitely like. Uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face or whatever, because then nobody can talk about it. Like I've literally had tweets taken down because they had a gif in them from baseball. And it's like totally insane. Like, right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, MLB's mismanagement of itself is like a whole topic for like, that's true. Yeah. You know, that we could talk about for, for weeks and weeks, I'm sure. But, and I, we will, because we're going to we be doing the show. live like, streams I, of baseball games. Are there last things that you guys want to, or that Wayland that you want to pop in to sort of like <laughs> get to the, we'll, we'll wrap this puppy up. Uh, no, like, like I said, I'm really into the history of the game. And so, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be doing what we're doing. Um, I don't know if we can spoil anything, but we're going to be doing like a, a game that a world series game that fe- features Mickey, uh, Mantle and Jackie Robinson. Um, I, I mean, I like, the biggest critique I always got when people I would like argue like no Stan Musial is way better than um, uh, you know Frank Thomas or whatever. You son not of saying a bitch. that for sure, Greg. <laughs> you said uh, that on purpose. I know like, it. <laughs> I almost I almost said Barry Bonds and I was like no Barry Bonds is probably better. But like uh, and Frank Thomas and is probably like, you... better as well. But go on. Okay. Then <laughs> uh, Stan Musial, Greg Stan Musial. But that's what I'm saying is it'd be fun to see these people. Not that we can see their whole careers, but I'm really excited to watch players that we normally. A lot of us haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've literally only seen Jackie Robinson swing and run to first and steal home. That's all I've yeah. ever really watched. And, I, you know, I've, I've spent a lifetime of baseball. And, like, when you really think about because the time period that we grew up in, they weren't really – nothing was being rebroadcast. I yeah, mean, that is the one benefit it? that we oh, do no, have. Yeah. You couldn't. Yeah. So unless someone chose to do it, we didn't get to see it. So um, I do think it's, it's a great way. And we're also going to try to get um, – if we can some like Japan sort of Asian league games. Cause they're getting back on the field because they've done a good job with what's <laughs> happening in the world. Um, and then also my hope is to get some NCAA softball in there too. So we're not only watching dudes and I know the Asian leagues have women's leagues too, but I'm unsure if those guys have, or if those folks have picked back up again, but um, and we're open to suggestions of like games and stuff, but we are limited by what, 
what we can get on there. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really looking. I'm so glad to talk to you guys today. I'm. It's great to hang out with you in this way that yeah. we're all hanging out together now. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun talking to you guys about baseball. And I haven't. It is weird to realize, like it's been since Game Seven of the World 2019 World Series since I've sat and watched nine innings of a baseball game. And that is a weird feeling to realize in my body. <laughs> yeah, it stinks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it stinks <laughs> <worse>. <laughs> I mean, like, of all the sort of side effects of, of the pandemic, obviously this is one that is, like, not oh, yeah. particularly uh, dire, but it freaking stinks. It does. And any amount of, uh, I don't know, for me it's it's, like... It is selfish that I want to watch baseball and enjoy it, but I, I think many people want that, and we need all we can get to like feel not normal, but just feel like connection. And and baseball has been for my whole life, like you're saying, like meeting people in comedy, and you're like, wait, what? And like knowing other people like liking base and like learning about how how you guys like baseball is something I'm really looking forward to because I really miss the community of of baseball. We were talking about one of our league mates like posting on our slack every couple days like i really miss you guys and i really miss baseball and it's like i couldn't say it any better than that that's it like i <laughs> i was playing the show the other day and started out with cleveland and then i was switching to a dodger to play as the dodgers and there's Dieter rule is in it and i almost started crying you know like there's organ in it and it's just like yeah i really i really miss it you know and it's uh it, it means so many things. Like when I say I miss it, like, cause baseball isn't just MLB. It's a lot. It's like a lot of things. <laughs> when I, yeah. When I it really... invokes, yeah. It, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Interrupt. No, you're good. Uh, it's like, yeah. Cause I mean, I miss playing. I miss uh, mm -hmm. seeing you on the field, both of you. Uh, and uh, it, like I said, it was like such a gift to, as a, I'm a little older. I was like 34 when we started in my mid thirties to get to play baseball again. Uh, and I, and I really do miss that, but baseball, I mean, I, I think we all in the same boat, we grew up with it. it. Like it does mean something. There's just like a comfort. It's like eating your favorite food. It's like, it does something for your whole body and soul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, I think I started thinking about baseball, like in December. And so, yeah, it's a real, it's a real gap. Uh, even though we had to contextualize with how, um, it doesn't really matter, but you know, it does. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's both things. Like it can, it can be both things that like, yeah, definitely. It, it, Cause people were asking me at the beginning, like, how are you doing without baseball? And you know, I was like, look, if baseball is the biggest thing I have to lose, I'm very blessed. You know, like that is still the reality. Um, so I'm very grateful that we are, have found a way to bring it back into our lives. Yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to it with you guys. Um, Greg and Wayland, of duck snort soon to be of the old ball game. I cannot wait to watch this game with you guys on April 19th at four 30 Pacific standard time. It will either be YouTube or Twitch. We will let you know, <laughs> you will find <laughs> out, go to the Patreon for three swings. It's patreon.com slash three swings for more info. And it will listen to duck snort. And it will also be all this information will be in the notes for the show. Thanks so much. You guys for being here and uh, doing this thing with me. It's really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us. This is super awesome. fun. I love talking I'm very excited. Yeah. Awesome. You guys. Forever. Dog. This has been a forever dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio and Alex Ramsey. 
For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.